This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNC's apply. The opinions, the panel. Yes, Sam Ackerman and Guy Havelt are the panellists this morning. Good morning to uh, both you uh, gentlemen. Uh, Guy Havelt, 24 hours later, has the pain subsided of the, uh, the expectations uh, of winning and being a world champion, uh, the reality that we've missed out again come to, come to fruition for you? Yeah, morning, Smitty. Morning, Sam. Uh, morning, listeners and everyone. Uh, look, I'm not actually as as broken and, and beaten, I suppose, as uh, 2019, certainly that 50-over final. Uh, a couple of reasons for that. One, it's T20 cricket, which is my least preferred of, of the uh, of the formats. Uh, two, I suppose they were they were pretty convincingly outplayed, so it never really got to any point during that final, or certainly in the in the bowling innings anyway. When I held on to great hope that they would win, and then three, they went there. I think with no one really expecting them to do anything. I mean, I, I did they make the semi-finals, and then I thought they could make the final, and I actually thought they could win it, but I wasn't expecting them to do that. So, so right now, I'm, I'm feeling like yeah, it was it, you know. Broadly speaking, fantastic that they got to the final. Disappointing they didn't win it. But then over the last 24 hours, I've actually sat back and and thought at the broader picture. And this is where I maybe get a little bit disappointed and and a bit upset. You know, I love watching this team. I think this is probably the greatest generation of cricketers that that certainly have been around since I've been following cricket. And and I would say um, across the board, probably our greatest team ever. And what I do worry about now is that you know, in, in, what is it, three uh, limited overs finals, New Zealand has yet to win one in our great, with our greatest team probably of all time. Uh, and I just start to worry that um, maybe they won't get another opportunity and, and maybe the best of, of this New Zealand side is, is, is possibly starting to go out the other side. Um, you know, I, I, I look at the likes of, of Ross Taylor and, um, Martin Guptill and, and those sorts of people, Trent Bolt, Tim Southey, they, they are obviously at, at the other end of their careers. I'm not saying they're going to retire suddenly, but they're at the other end of their careers. And I just worry that, you know, we will get through this period of, of these greats uh, and we won't, other than a test championship, limited overs cricket, we won't have anything to show for it in terms of trophies. So that's the one, the, the, big, the big takeaway for me is, is uh, yeah, fantastic that they got to the final, disappointing they didn't win it. Uh, but now there's a greater disappointment and a greater worry, I suppose, uh, from my personal point of view. Well, we've got Ackerman Sr. and Ackerman Jr. possibly on the panel today. Sam, uh, tell, us, uh, uh, tell us a little bit uh, about um, how you've reacted uh, to this after the expectation going into it. 
Yeah, well, first of all, my uh, my daughter has uh, decided that now is a good time for a sleep. I was, I was talking to her about all the things I was going to speak about with you, and <laughs> she passed out. So uh, everybody, uh, sit upright, pay attention. Um, I don't want to have similar effects. Uh, but look, basically, I'm, uh, I'm I see it as a missed opportunity. I don't see it as a, a crucial one. It's not going to haunt us um, the way some of the previous limited over finals have done. Uh, I don't think people are going to be remembering this one as the the one that got away. It's a tournament that we went in with expectations because we're the Black Caps and we're now officially the, the best all-round team in the world. We're making the finals in every format uh, on a regular basis uh, when it comes to tournaments at the very least. So uh, I'm, I think that I'm proud of what the effort was to get there, to uh, knock over England, to uh, to progress from the group after that hiccup because black cat teams in the past after that initial loss may have found the going too tough and certainly uh, against a team like India had a lot to play for as well. So I'm happy with how they went. The final was a dog's breakfast of a overall performance, and I think that we lost by such a convincing margin. The hurt isn't there, as Guy is talking about. Not to mention, by the way, we didn't cover the fact that Guy was at that 50 over final. UK and was uh, was sick, was almost sobbing like a schoolgirl on uh, on national television. We will skip over that part um, because we were all upset at the time. I just wasn't on TV, so no one saw me cry. Uh, I uh, I'm I am really quite confident that there's more success in the Black Caps' future. Uh, but if you told me, you know, what, five, five, six years ago that the Black Caps would make every final of every format going through and win one, I'd say, sign me up. I, I don't care what you want for it. I'll take it. So I'm, I'm, yep. I'm in a pretty good space with it. Um, and I think, yeah, I just, I just wish it wasn't Australia. That's it. I just, I just don't, I, I don't, don't want there to be Australia being that mental block for the Black Caps' success and always that little footnote. So hopefully there's an opportunity to, um, to remove that one from the history books at some point. Hmm. Interesting. I felt like you were going to interject there, Guy. But what I will say is this. I believe with that score, we'd have defended that against any other team in that tournament. There you go. I, I just, it's just this mm. bloody Australian factor that gets me, Guy. And, you know, you've reported on so many things yep. over the damn years. Fortunately, your fair share of rugby, so you can get it out of your system every now and then. But it, it just <laughs> is lingering there. It just lingers. Yeah, that, that's fair. And, and look, I was going to interject, and but uh, I can't really have any any uh, back comment to that because I, I did cry after that 2019 final. I was absolutely gutted. It's okay, uh, mate. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, I'm good with the guy. I was proud of you, mate. It was, it was, it was, you, were, you were giving nations emotions out on, on, on public television. I'm with you. It's still bloody here talking about it now. But no, on, on this final on, on Monday morning, look, uh, I suppose looking at the game, and the bowling particularly, what disappoints me is I just feel like they got the tactics wrong. Uh, and, and, and they, well, they obviously got their accuracy wrong as well. But by tactics, I mean, you know, they, they get themselves back in the game by Trent bowling David Warner. And it was only a little glimmer of hope, but it was still a bit glimmer of hope. And then they bring each Sodia on the very next over. Uh, and Sodia's already been belted uh, for 25, I think, off his first two overs. Never really looked like taking a wicket. And they bring him back on, and once again, the shackles are just released straight away by Mitchell Marsh. Uh, and, and so I just wonder, some of those decisions around that sort of thing, I think they probably could have bowled um, Mitchell Santner or something. His, his, his stats weren't, weren't as bad, and I think they possibly could have tied him down maybe a little bit. Uh, I didn't think Sodi was, right, was the right person to be bowling that next over, and I think that, was just, that just released a bit more pressure for Australia, and, and, and uh, that's when, you know, I realised that, that the game was certainly gone from New Zealand. And, yeah, so disappointing. Uh, a few things that I work on, but as I say, definitely cricket. It's, it's not a massive one for me. OK, we'll leave the cricket there. We'll take a short break. 
Uh, Trudy's coming in with the news, and then we'll come back with uh, a couple of other interesting issues that have raised their head, ugly or not, this morning. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Guy Havelt here uh, this morning with uh, Sam Ackerman. Here's an interesting one, Sam, that's uh, come up this morning. Uh, and it's drawn a, a little bit of a reaction uh, thus far. The world's men's world player of the year in terms of rugby. The four nominations are Antoine Dupont, Michael Hooper, Maro Atoje, and Samu Karevi. There's a couple of surprises in there for me. Uh, is it surprising to you that there is no All Black in there for the first time in something like about 18 or 19 years? Uh, have we been that bad this year? And uh, also Ian Foster is in the group as coach of the year. Yeah, starting with the players, for me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not outraged because I, I couldn't stand here and tell you who I think should be a New Zealander who deserves to win player of the year. Now, whether they fit into the category or in the finals, I suppose you've got another argument, but I'm, I'm, it doesn't faze me because this is not a banner year for the All Blacks playing stretch, uh, and I don't think we're going to um, have this one as a year that the, any player deserves to be put on a specific pedestal um, as far as the top uh, gong goes. Uh, obviously, you know, with a couple of Australians in there and no South African players in there, you, you could quip that the judges maybe didn't watch any All Black games at all, so um, they uh, wouldn't in a position to put any All Blacks in or rule any Wallabies out after they got smashed by the All Blacks. But it's a, a scenario that I don't think we should lose a lot of sleep over because, you know, it, I, I, I've never been that fast on who wins play of the year. It's wonderful in Bowden Barrett and Dan Carter and the likes have done it before, of course. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty ambivalent towards it. But I, I did, I did do a little double take at, uh, at, with no players, but Ian Foster in the nod. I, I, I can't think of anything besides obviously retaining the, uh, the major silverware um, in the, in the. Uh, rugby championship zone that makes me think Ian Foster should should be nominated, but he is, uh, and I, I, I think we're all in agreement that'd be pretty unlikely for him to be crowned the champion in this category. Um, certainly, when he's up against competition like uh, seeing the New Zealanders of the Sevens Coach of the Year opportunities as well with Alan Bunting and the like, Corey Swinning. So, um, yeah, I'm not losing sleep over it, but it is definitely a head scratcher. Yeah, it is. Guy, what about uh, your reaction to that? Yeah, similar to Sam in, in, in the sense that the rugby awards don't really even make a blip on my radar. But in saying that, uh, a few interesting things. Look, I, I don't actually think any of the All Blacks should have been there. Uh, maybe Artie Savia is probably the closest, but um, I, I, I don't know if he's been... Well, I don't think he's been the best rugby player in the world. Uh, I do find it weird that Samu Karevi is there. I don't think he's actually played that many games for the Wallabies this year or, or played any many international games anyway. Um, and then the Ian Foster thing is, is, is quite baffling, I've got to be honest. I mean, we've got an All Blacks coach at the moment who's under immense pressure. Some are already calling for him to be moved out and, and bring Scott Robertson in. Uh, that, to me, does not scream World Coach of the Year. Uh, they've just been beaten by Ireland. They were beaten by South Africa. They were a bit scratchy in other games this year. Uh, they beat Wales, United States and Italy on the trot. Well, what do do? Um, yeah, I, I find that one a bit strange. But as Sam says, uh, he's not going to win it, is he? So um, I don't think we need to worry too much about that. OK, let's uh, uh, look at uh, something else which is quite uh, exciting now. We just spoke to uh, our major guy uh, about uh, the fact that Moana Pacifica is coming together. He can't get them as a unit till early January, which gives them about five or six weeks uh, to be a hands-on coach as such. 
tough work, but exciting. Uh, they're going to play the first game against the Brumbies, so all of a sudden the speculation about these two teams is uh, uh, only uh, a matter of time away from actually happening on the field, and that's got to be good. That is good. Uh, one thing you mentioned there that, that is that is disappointing from, from my regard is that Moana Pacifica is playing the Brumbies as their first game. I mean, could they not have organised for it to be against the Blues or against the Chiefs or, um, you know, something like that to give it a, a, you know, give it a real atmos? I suspect a lot of Aucklanders would have got along if it was the Blues against Moana Pacifica at Mount Smart Stadium. But but with the Brumbies, that's the one thing that disappoints me about the whole thing. I'm really looking forward to them being in Super Rugby. I I think it's a long overdue move. Uh, I just hope that they are competitive, Smitty. Okay, Sam. For me, I think that move allows them a better chance to having an opening game win. Personally, guy, I, I think that um, playing against the Blues or a well-established New Zealand side, they've got less chance of winning. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see them play. I can't wait to see what uh, what this new competition has, this new flavour. We've also lived through all the other Super Rugby expansions where it's been exciting having these new teams come in and they have been walloped for seasons upon seasons and we don't want that. It's not going to be uh, of benefit and certainly having the first uh, game being played in a big uh, big derby game to start with and have Big Brother absolutely dominate would not be a great look for uh, what they want the competition to be. So I'm not saying that the Brumbies are easy beats by any stretch. I just think there's a better chance of getting a win against them than, say, uh, a national side. But yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's been challenging for all teams getting players together and in and out of bubbles and all, all the things from around the world. But uh, the <laughs> certainly the, the options are major are even harder and uh, bringing all the players in together at the same time. So uh, I, there's a lot of factors that are going to make it a difficult scenario, but uh, even more, they're going to make it an exciting one. Guy, there's a, a couple of test matches coming up against India and uh, New Zealand will only play uh, just talking to Gary Stead yesterday, it looks like they're only going to start with two seamers anyway, if that. Uh, so they've got over there, um, they've got Neil Wagner, of course, they've got Kyle Jamieson, who must be itching to get some cricket under his belt on the field. And, of course, they've got Tim Southey. Um, but they couldn't have uh, Trent Bolt, it seems, not available. Yeah, look, this, this actually disappoints me, Smithy. I, I've got to be honest with you. Um, Look, I, I understand how hard MIQ is. I understand how hard the, the bubble situation is at the moment, and Trent Bolt has done 60 days of that. Um, but other players have done more. Uh, Tim Saudi seems to be away from home for a long, long time. Jimmy Neesham, the same. Kane Williamson, well, when was the last time he set foot in New Zealand? He would have been under these strict conditions for, for months upon months upon months. Trent Bolt uh, goes and plays in the IPL. That seems completely OK. We need him. New Zealand needs him for these tests against India. We, 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 you know, we, we've got this team now. New Zealand has this team that can go to India, be a potential test-winning side, and now you know, our, our best seamer is, is going to take a break. Uh, I find it incredibly disappointing, considering, when, as I say, you factor in the fact that he played in the IPL, he played in this T20 World Cup. You could have rested him for those T20s, played him in the test, and then brought him home and really not, not overly need him, needed him for the large majority of the summer. I mean, the Black Caps are playing Bangladesh and then the Netherlands at home. Rest him for those entire series. He doesn't need to play those. We could, we could roll out, with all due respect, 
we could roll out our entire second string side and beat those two teams at home. That is when you could have given Trent Bolt a rest. He would have been home with his family for almost the entire summer. Uh, I'm quite disappointed that we won't have our best, arguably our best test seamer, or probably our best test seamer there for these massive tests. I, I think it's a great shame, uh, and I hope it doesn't come back to bite the Black Caps in, in that test series. There is a school of thought, you know, Guy, uh, and I don't need an answer on this, but there is a school of thought that he wasn't going to be picked. There you go. I've heard that through the grapevine, that he wasn't, uh, of all the three seamers or four seamers they were going to uh, look at, and they decided they'd only come down to three, that they might not have picked them anyway on test match form. Just saying. Just saying there is a school of thought there, but I, I get your, your sentiments. Uh, we can't finish without a, a league situation here, uh, Sam Ackerman, and news that the Warriors have secured... Luke Metcalf for the year after this. Always seems a bit strange that you sign someone and you have to wait for about 18 months for them to actually see them in action. But that is the way of the NRL system. Uh, but Luke Metcalf, good news? I've only seen a little bit of him through his, uh, his time so far with the, uh, the NRL. I, I haven't seen a lot. He's, he's missed a lot of footy, obviously, because he's been coming through the, uh, the ranks at the time where there hasn't been a lot of ranks to watch as far as COVID uh, barreling through um, so many sh- uh, schedules and fixtures. But uh, from what I've seen, he looks, uh, he, he looks like he's comfortable at that level. Uh, he's had a, played a, a couple of particularly good games along the way. Um, so I'm, I'm not doing bat flips of excitement, thinking he's the, uh, he's the answer or the next Stacey Jones, but uh, they've been tracking him for a while by all accounts. So this is uh, seen as a good signing. And look, I'm with you. It's always frustrating when somebody um, makes an announcement of the signing and then you go, oh, I'll see you in 18 months, fella. But uh, a, a lot can happen in that time. I remember vividly when James Maloney uh, announced that he was leaving uh, to go to the Roosters uh, at the start, so before even a ball had been kicked. In, uh, in 2012, and everybody said, you know, was like, well, why are we bother keeping him? I said, because well, he's the best play half we have in the club, so that's why. I mean, why, why would you relinquish him? He helped to get to the grand final the year before. I, I find the argument that players' hearts won't be in it to be uh, a bit of an insult to players, to be quite honest. I'm sure there are some who think, right, I'm going to another club and that's going to be a big deal, but you know, every season is an opportunity to. Uh, to make you know, your career even better than it was, get to the finals, win a grand final. Every year starts that way. So I'm not particularly fussed about it, but it, it does become this long, slow, drawn-out process. It's like setting up a date with somebody uh, in uh, six months' time and you see them going all these days with somebody else in between that. And there's weird excitement that will stand before you get a crack yourself. But uh, it, it's going to be a, a an interesting season 2023. It's all geared towards the arrival of the Dolphins, of course. So... This market system that exists really is useful for setting up that season because you can imagine if the uh, Dolphins couldn't sign anyone till the back end of uh, next year, it would be a bit of a lolly scramble. There's no way to build any consistency or start a franchise in that fashion. So, uh, yeah, unusual, uh, but I will be uh, looking forward to uh, both his additions and Nucorius when he comes from the Eels in 2023 as well. We'll see lots more movement happening in and then and we know NRL contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on they'll all be cancelled torn up and thrown immediate releases as soon as it suits everybody anyway so it's just a matter of tracking slowly and trying to keep pace Good on you guys thank you very much for your input this morning um, really good Sam Ackerman uh, thanks very much to your daughter as well uh, Sam for giving you that uh, little 15 minute window that was great well behaved and, and to Guy Havelt of course who was also quite well behaved too